Welcome back to another episode of the Leading Saints podcast. If you've enjoyed content on this podcast, it's important that I tell you about the Leading Saints newsletter that we send out every week. This newsletter keeps you up to date on all the current Leading Saints content releases, including podcasts, articles, online events, and even live events that might be happening in your own area. In this newsletter, we also recommend some past episodes and written articles that you don't want to miss. Each week, we include additional leadership perspectives and thoughts that you can only find in the weekly newsletter. So you definitely don't want to miss out. To subscribe to the weekly newsletter, simply text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org slash subscribe. Again, text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org slash subscribe so you don't miss any future Leading Saints content. Hey everyone, this is Kurt Franken with the Leading Saints podcast. I'm your host, and uh, if you're new to Leading Saints, we welcome you. This is a little podcast we have going here to talk about leadership because we are a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. Now, we do that through various methods like this podcast. We have a newsletter. We have a website at leadingsaints.org with thousands of articles, leadership related there. Uh, we do virtual events and uh, we hope that you jump in and make sure that you're subscribing to all things podcasts and all things newsletter, which you can do at leadingsaints.org slash subscribe. And uh, we'd love for you to join us on this journey where we try to uncover best leadership practices. Now, we're going to try something a little different uh, in an, an effort to get back to our roots, because early on, 400 or so episodes ago, Leading Saints was really focused on this concept of how I lead as far not me personally, but the segment of how I lead, where I reach out to individuals across the world in various callings or in various leadership capacities and just ask them, how is it that you lead? And uh, we used to do it more often than it went to like, like once a month, but more and more people are encouraging me that this is where the good stuff is, right? This is where we get to learn about where other people are serving and how, and there's a lot of inspiration that can come out of that. So instead of doing monthly episodes where I interview two different leaders, I'm going to try and do this on a more regular basis, maybe even three to four times a month, shorter episodes that you can just quickly listen to on a weekday drive or on your way to work or on a quick walk. And we're going to dive into specific calling. So hopefully we'd love to get your uh, feedback on this as we do more and more of these how I lead segments. And I hope that you enjoy them and you find much inspiration from them. In this episode, I talk with Liliana and Danny Bolaños, who are, well, Danny is the ward mission leader in his uh, Spanish-speaking ward in Eagle Mountain, Idaho, and Liliana is in that work as, with him as a ward missionary, and together they really tackle this calling and have found a lot of success and unique approaches, especially during the time of pandemic. And so we dive into these, talk about them, the leadership principles they live by, and uh, the success they're having. We hope that you find similar success. So here is my interview with Liliana and Danny. Bolaños. Today, I have the opportunity to connect with Liliana and Danny Bolaños. Did I say your last name right? That was very close. Bolaños. Bolaños. All right. Just wherever the emphasis <laughs> is, right? Okay. You know, I, I, I speak a little Spanish, so uh, at least I, I know how the Enya works. So. Right. <laughs> so now, where are you located? Uh, obviously, you're a happily married couple, and we're going to talk about your experience serving in your your ward mission. But uh, give us some some brief background on you two. So we recently moved to Eagle Mountain, Utah, about May. 
And we've been here ever since. Obviously, it was very difficult just to get to know the members. Back then, we weren't having church at all with other members. So we're, we love it. We love it here. Nice. Yeah. And so obviously we're recording this in uh, December of 2020. So we're in the thick of the pandemic. And uh, Liliana, you're a convert to the church. Yeah. Yeah, I am. I was baptized when I was 14 years old um, and I was actually baptized in Orem, Utah. And so coming here, we, we were super excited to to get to know the youth and, and we love them. We, we get to work a lot with a lot of them. A lot of our ward missionaries are, are youth between the ages of 16 to 19 years old. So that's, I think that has been our favorite part of our calling so far. Great. And you're in the, in a, in a Spanish ward out there in Eagle Mountain. Is that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Does it cover quite a bit of Eagle Mountain or? It covers two and a half, three stakes, which I oh, think wow. is about half, a little over half of Eagle Mountain. And then uh, the other half of Eagle Mountain is a separate ward. Cool. Awesome. And where's your, your uh, Latino heritage come from for both of you? Are you both Mexican or? Yeah, so I was born in Mexico. I was born in a state, uh, it's called Michoacan. Um, and my oh, parents yeah. came out three years old. So yeah, we're, we're Mexican. Yeah, my parents immigrated to the United States about four or five years before I was born. And they actually met here at an English class. Oh, cool. And, and they're from Mexico? Yes, from Mexico, from a state oh, cool. called Jalisco. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, we used to joke in, I served my mission in Sacramento, Spanish speaking, and it seems like more than half the people we met were from Michoacan. And we were, we'd always joke oh. that we wonder that, we wonder if any people are even left in Michoacan because they've all, they've all come to Sacramento <laughs> or the United States. We just met so many. So, so that's cool. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I don't know. And probably, I mean, it just seemed that way anyways. Met, met a lot of people from Metrocon, so that's cool. So let's jump into this. As, as we do on the How I Lead episodes, uh, we'll find a specific person serving in a calling and then ask them, how is it that they lead? And so break us down. Uh, so Danny, are you are you the ward mission leader? Are you the elders corn president? And Liliana, are you in like a ward missionary or how does that, how does this dynamic work? So my calling is ward mission leader. My wife's calling is a ward missionary, but when the bishop was talking to her, he essentially said, you're the assistant ward mission leader. You're going to help him whatever he needs. So it's really a a duo. That's cool. And this great preparation for maybe a future mission uh, when you get to be companions again, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's what it feels like sometimes. That's cool. So the first, uh, we'll jump into this with the the first principle, making sure members understand their value. What do you mean by that? Maybe expound on that. Well, a big thing that we noticed when we first came into the ward um, was that our youth loved missionary work. Um, And I remember the first meeting we had with the ward missionaries, um, the youth were just so excited to participate. And you could tell that it was such a sacred calling to them in the way that they participated and gave their ideas and were so quick to just act on the invitations of the current ward mission leader at the time. When we first got here, we were called to be ward missionaries. And then after a few months, Danny was called to be the ward mission leader. And I guess we just kind of started asking ourselves, why is it that the youth are so motivated to do missionary work? And I remember one day, it was our first time meeting them in person and we were doing a service project for a member And we were talking about the pandemic and how it's so difficult to do missionary work in the pandemic, being ward missionaries and how we couldn't imagine what it was like for the full-time missionary. And I remember telling these two young men, they're both preparing to serve missions. And I told them, I don't think I could have done it. It would have been so hard for me to be inside all day. And I will never forget that they just looked at each other and said, I can do it. I'm not worried. 
I know that the Lord will provide and I know that we'll have unique opportunities. And I just remember (laughs) almost kind of being humbled, like thinking, wow, I was being so negative about it. And they really are not faced by the challenges of the pandemic. They know the importance of serving a mission. They know the importance of sharing their testimonies and sharing the gospel. And I remember just thinking, these youth know the value of their testimonies and these youth know the value of the gospel in their lives and and how it can influence other people's lives. And the pandemic isn't going to stop them. And so beyond, we realized the ward had done such a good job at just helping these youth understand their value, first of all, as children of God, and, and secondly, as missionaries here and wherever they're sent to. Yeah. So is there anything you can pinpoint in your ward as far as how your ward stimulated that type of, uh, of engagement or value of their testimony and whatnot? I mean, I think generally speaking, I mean, youth are great. I mean, those that engage with the gospel and, and come, I mean, naturally, it's, it's going to happen to some extent. But I'm just curious if your ward specifically does anything that you feel like really stimulates that more effectively. I really feel, this is what I believe, these youth and a lot of these members are first generation, second generation members of the church. And the, the faith and the, the faith that these people need to make a change like this is astounding. My mother is the pioneer of my family. Lily, my wife, is the pioneer of her family. And I'm, all of us have pioneers, but these people, we can talk to them, correct? And these youth either are the pioneers or their parents are the pioneers and being able to hear those stories, hear those testimonies, it makes missionary work very real to them. They've seen it firsthand. And so that they know, they know it's possible. It's not just a story to them. They've seen it. A lot of these youth have had missionary experiences that from a very young age where they've seen people progress through the gospel and be baptized and accept the gospel and hold callings in their ward. So it's very real to them. It's not just an idea. And they have the faith to know that no matter what happens during the pandemic, no matter what happens, wherever they get called on their missions, the Lord will provide because the Lord has provided already. They've seen his hand in missionary work. Mm. Yeah. I like that. You know, just from my experience myself of, you know, serving, uh, the Latino people, I mean, serving in a Spanish speaking ward, uh, wherever you are, <laughs> you're going to get some baptisms. I'll tell you that. So you'll see people convert, you know, and for those youth, they've been, they've had a front row seat, whether it's their parents or themselves to really see that conversion. And so it takes me back to the principle of maybe, you know, a ward out there or a, a youth doesn't, maybe they're like myself with a long history of members of their church and their family, but to really articulate the conversion process that made for parents to do that or leaders and to talk about their conversion. And then that makes it a little more real. They're, they're seen more as a pioneer maybe in their life. Right. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. And adding on to that, I think our ward leaders have just been amazing at giving the youth opportunities to serve. You know, we, half of them are ward missionaries, the ones that are preparing to serve mm-hmm. mission around the mission age, the bishop has given them the calling of ward missionaries. And I realized that a lot of the leaders are very open about sharing experiences that they've had specifically with youth, whether they're sharing those experiences with the youth um, and just kind of thanking them for their efforts and their testimonies, or whether they're sharing it with the other leaders to encourage the other leaders and the other members to involve the youth more. I think the leaders have just done a great job at involving the youth and, and sharing their testimonies of the impact that they can make. 
Yeah, that's uh, one of your principles here is uh, the youth have a unique skill set for for missionary work, and so uh, obviously your ward is succeeding that. So is there a is there a system in place that maybe your bishopric is mindful of that when they get to a certain age they automatically call them as a ward missionary, or if they have plans to serve a mission, how does that work? Is there a system behind that? Speaking with the bishop, he he just loves the youth all ages, twelve to till they leave on their missions. He always wants to give them an opportunity to serve in missionary work. And these youth and young adults are treated as full-time missionaries in the sense of when I served a mission, I'm sure when you served a mission as well, the the members loved you and were just all wanted to talk to you all the time and share their experiences with you. Um, And that's what they do with these youth. They treat them the same way. They, they hold them to to higher standard and expect them to go out and to, share their testimonies and that's what makes them so unafraid. And so I think our youngest ward missionary, about 14, 15. And so all of the other ward missionaries that were youth have started being ward missionaries around that time gives them a chance to be able to overcome that initial fear of, of sharing something that's so important to you. Um, so by the time that they are serving their missions, they're ready. There's no, there's no yeah. nervousness, anxiety or fear behind it. Yeah. So pre-pandemic times, I mean, I would imagine they're still going to their youth uh, Sunday school class uh, or, I mean, how, how are you involved there? Because I, th- I think a lot of words and think, oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to call youth to be ward missionaries. And then they just sort of are in the corner uh, twiddling their thumbs. They don't know how to engage them and, and use them. So how has your ward done that? So we have missionary coordination meetings, which on my mission, it was strictly me and my companion and the ward mission leader. In this unit, it's all everyone, all the ward missionaries, the elders quorum counselor who's over missionary work and the Relief Society counselors over missionary work. It's everyone involved. And it's really, it's some accountability in the beginning of invitations that we've extended in the past, but it's also a brainstorming session. And most of them, some of the most creative ideas come from the youth. They're given an opportunity to share and to create ideas themselves. Let them express themselves because a lot of the time, when I, okay, when I was a youth, I was a ward missionary before my mission. Hmm. I did not know what to do. There was never, I, I never got invited to any coordination meeting. I never really got invited to go out with the missionaries. It was my calling, but I really, I had the desire, but I wasn't invited. I didn't understand what my place it was in that calling. But these youth do understand because they're given opportunities in these meetings to share their ideas and to see those ideas become a reality taking them to the, the ward council. The ward council loves the idea, loves those ideas as well. And they get to see that. And so it encourages more youth to be able to share their ideas and not feel so shy. They see each other as peers, as friends. And so it's just spitballing ideas and those ideas come to fruition. And yeah. it's an easy way to have everyone work together. Nice. And how often do you have those correlation meetings? Once a week. Okay. And uh, how many missionaries are serving in your ward? We have a pair of, of hermanas, sister missionaries. Oh, okay. Nice, nice. And so, so they, cover, um, they cover the two and a half, three stakes. <laughs> cool. So really uh, what I'm hearing is that, you know, involving you, just inviting them, treating them as your, your peer, you know, inviting them to meetings, making sure that they have in, an invitation to act, to, to be involved. And, and they'll usually carried out when, when they have that invitation given to them. Yeah, for sure. And I think just adding on to that with, in my personal experience and also what we've been doing with the youth, I've realized that 
When leaders go out of their way to have a, a personal relationship with the youth, it makes a difference. I think it's so important for the youth to know why we want them to share their testimonies. And that it's because we trust them, not because, oh, we want to have this many baptisms so our church can grow, but because we love each other, because the Lord loves us, because the Lord loves his children that don't have the gospel yet, we need to share the gospel. And I just think back to my conversion. And I think that was a a very significant thing for me and the youth that helped me in my conversion process. I was 14 years old and I was going through a really difficult time. My parents were divorcing and there was just a lot that I was kind of going through at the time. And I remember that the young women in my ward and my young women's later became my best friends. And I just knew that they cared about me and I knew that they loved me. And so through them, I kind of realized how much the Lord loved me. And it just motivated me to want to share that with others. And it helped me, I think, to share the gospel in a more genuine way. And I remember that all of the youth felt that way. All of the youth felt a connection with each other. And even now, the youth that I grew up with that were in that ward that I was baptized into, we're all like brothers and sisters, literal brothers and sisters. And I know that if anything happens to me, I know I can just call them and they'll be there, you know? And I just think that there's this bond and just creating those connections. And youth have a desire to connect. We need to connect, especially now more than ever. And we really try our best to just reach out to our youth to know what's going on in their lives and to ask them questions and, and see how they're doing. And they they do a really good job specifically at sharing things on social media. And sometimes they share very personal, deep things on social media and we'll send them private messages to just talk to them about that and, and what's going on. And I think that that genuine connection and just helping them understand how the Lord feels about them, it it just, I think it makes all the difference. Yeah. So going back, uh, Liliana, to your uh, conversion process, you know, you talked about how the youth and the leaders really felt like they were there for you. Do you remember anything specific and how they did that or what that looked like uh, day to day? Well, we spent a lot of time together, for sure, whether it was mutual, you know, church activities during the week or church on Sunday. Outside of church, we spent a lot of time together. We were also constantly planning activities where we could share the gospel with our friends in a more natural way. So we'd have like sports nights on the weekends or we'd get together to watch a movie at our young women leaders house. And I remember that it was just, we were always hanging out, but always with the intention of let's bring someone that may need to know that Heavenly Father is mindful of them. And in that ward, we actually had quite a few youth baptisms after I was baptized. I So I think that really helped me just feeling like they were my friends. We also were very involved with the full-time missionaries and they also felt like our friends and they also came to lots of things. Obviously they couldn't play sports with us and watch a movie, but they were there and we had no relationships with them. And so that has really helped, that really helped us as well to be involved with the full-time missionaries and to hear them say that they needed us. That was a big thing. Awesome. Anything else you'd like to mention as far as uh, the youth dynamic involving the youth or uh, really leveraging the the resource that they are? The youth really know how to use social media. They understand it. They know what to share. They know how to share it so that it can reach people. So it can 
I don't know, bypass the algorithms and, and know <laughs> how to reach the most amount of people as possible. And the youth use that. Just they've pointed themselves in the right direction and, and they post and they know what to say. They know what to share. And I think that's one of the most valuable skills that the youth have right now. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. You also mentioned you have a sort of a unique approach. You've been very intentional during the pandemic and you list three principles. Maybe walk us through those as far as how you found success during the pandemic in missionary work. So at the start of the pandemic around early summer, the we have, we received a training from an area 70 about the Latino outreach program. It was a, it's a church program that's uh, supposed to be implemented United States and Canada, where we find all of the Hispanics in our area, in our ward boundaries, all the Spanish speakers. A lot of the time, these, these um, Spanish speakers are not as involved in the community as, as, as everyone else. Could be a language barrier, just a cultural difference. Um, they don't really feel welcome, possibly, due to that barrier of we're not interested in the same things or we don't talk the same way. So we've been really attacking that during the pandemic, really because our church leaders have advised us to, that this is the time to do it. It's a little confusing because you'd think it would be different. (laughs) It's kind of hard to find people that you don't know on social media or through the internet or without actually knocking on their door. Um, So it has been a challenge, but that's one thing that we have been focusing on a lot during this uh, pandemic season. Yeah. So give us a summary. What the, is there like, so the Latino outreach is like a, a formal initiative that, that came from this area 70 come in, is coming from the church. Yeah, it was, it, it, it's formal, but they gave us a lot of freedom to do it, how we feel like we need to do it in our area. Gotcha. Basically the goal is to just find all the Hispanics within your ward boundaries, whether they're members or non-members to just be able to know where they are and be able to befriend them. Yeah. Now, obviously, <laughs> in Utah, finding all the Latinos in your ward, even with your large ward that covers a few stakes, that's maybe more doable than maybe somebody in uh, Pennsylvania finding all the Latinos in, in their ward might be yes. <laughs> overwhelming. But but you could say like all the Latinos in your in your neighborhood. And I assume the church is adapting it, you know, for those areas. But, uh, right. but basically, this this focused effort of seeing if you can reach out and connect to other people in your uh, culture, right? Right. Exactly. That's cool. Awesome. All right. Uh, and then you've been doing a virtual Christmas lessons and obviously we're recording in, in December. So I'm sure this, this, uh, approach can be adapted after the holidays, but uh, how does that work? Right. Right. So this is actually something that the youth came up with, um, with all the activities that we've had, like my husband was talking about in our missionary coordination meetings, we always ask them, what do you guys want to do? Or how would you change this? So this is an idea that the youth came up with for this Christmas time that we're in. So basically the goal is that right now in our ward, we have quite a few unbaptized children that belong to families that aren't as active uh, right now. And so what we were kind of brainstorming is how can we reach those families? How can we make a connection with them, help them feel the spirit in their homes during the pandemic where maybe we can't just go knock on their doors or get to know them. And my husband and I obviously don't know very many members. Um, So the youth have helped a lot. And so what we're doing is we're kind of dividing up into companionships. And our goal is that each week we release a Christmas video that is going to be posted on the primary Facebook page in our ward and our ward Facebook page. 
And basically, each companionship of Word missionaries, which are all companionships of these youth, will share a message. So this week, the message is, why do we need a savior? Next week is, who were, were Mary and Joseph? The week after is the birth of Christ. And then the last week of December, we're focusing on why is it important to remember the Savior after Christmas time? So basically, we're sharing these messages with intentions of, of reaching active members and less active members during this Christmas time to just help them feel the spirit and also to give these youth opportunities to teach. Right now, when, when it's a little bit more difficult and we can't knock on doors and we can definitely join into the missionaries' discussions through Zoom, but we definitely wanted to give the youth an opportunity to be prayerful and to be able to prepare a lesson together, you know, kind of preparing to, to serve a full-time mission. And it's something that they're really excited yeah. about and they have great ideas. They're planning on incorporating church videos or using cartoons to kind of act things out. And they're very creative and very tech savvy. So <laughs> they oh, allow, wow. that's something that we're doing during this Christmas time that we're really excited about and the youth are, are leading in. Oh, that's great. I, I mean, I love the idea in, in, in general, but I love the the thought of it gives the youth an opportunity to sort of think through that lesson preparation process, right? So that, right. that it's maybe a developed skill once they're a, a missionary and, and doing the same thing, right? So that's, that's really cool. And the other thought that came to mind is that, you know, you can't, obviously in missionary work, you want to stimulate connection. You want to meet people. You want to uh, get to know them and their stories or whatever. And you really can't do that without creating a venue to do that. And so a simple, you know, Zoom lesson during a pandemic where people can come and maybe they don't come every time or maybe just once, but still you've created a venue for actually happen. And we can't expect connection or expect the sharing of the gospel to happen without first uh, establishing a venue for it to happen in, right? Right, exactly. And one of our fears was, well, if we do like a sort of Zoom call, then the people that we're trying to reach that might not watch maybe just won't come. So the goal in making video and just posting it on a Facebook page is that it's more private. And if maybe a less active member or a non-member runs into it and they watch it, no one else knows, you know, and it, mm -hmm. we just kind of wanted to create a more private setting where someone could run into the video and, and have that and, and feel the spirit. Maybe, maybe if it wasn't intentional, maybe they didn't open up their Facebook to feel the spirit. So talk to me more about the, the technicalities of that. So you say you have a, so you do these via Zoom or, and then oh. you push them into Facebook Live or how, how does, and do you have a Facebook group and how does all that work? Yeah. So our word does have a Facebook page. Um, and then it, they also have a separate primary page, uh, Facebook page mm -hmm. for our ward. And so what we do is it's actually not a Zoom um, recording. It's just a video that the youth record on their own oh, okay. with their laptops. Uh, and then we would just post them onto these pages on Facebook. Oh, okay. So they don't have to like get a Zoom link and participate like we do Sunday school or whatever right now. So they just are no, on no. Facebook and they say, oh, look, they posted a, a new video. And, and on average, how long are they? We decided to keep them under three and a half minutes. Oh, great, um, yeah. Just in general to keep them short and simple. Well, that's the algorithm. You got to keep them, uh, you can't go too long with <laughs> videos on Facebook. Yeah. So. That's cool. Right. It's in this third part, as far as uh, missionary work during the pandemic, uh, it sounds sounds a whole lot like a youth idea, which is great because it's so dynamic and and creative. But uh, you call it the bajo esta mascara, behind the mask, right? Social media challenge or below the mask, right? How does that work? Yeah, so that was actually an idea from a few youth and and young adults that we spoke to. 
about how can we share our testimonies during the pandemic and make it really unique to the pandemic. And so the hashtag Bajo Esta Mascara, or hashtag Under This Mask, was an idea thrown around amongst our friends um, and these youth about posting a, a, a selfie on Instagram, Facebook with a, with a mask, like the face covering, and share our testimonies that we're all children of God under this mask. We're all unique, but we all are brothers and sisters. Something very simple, something that could be shareable on Facebook and Instagram, all the social media. But that, that's just an example of ideas that these youth have about social media, about how to share things and how to have it reach certain people, despite not really being able to knock on a door or visit somebody due to the pandemic. Yeah. Right. So with the masks, part of the invitation is also to create a mask yourself that represents either who you are or your culture. And so it was super, huh. it was a super an opportunity to just be able to be creative. And then us, along with the youth, we were able to post these on social media and use the hashtag to kind of combine them all together. And our goal was to be able to share our testimonies online. And then also when we go out to the grocery store, whatever, we can wear these masks and hopefully they can be conversation starters outside of um, social media. And so they're really about just being so creative um, with these ideas that um, they're having right now. Yeah, I, I, I can just see a mask, you know, a good missionary mask at a grocery store of, uh, you know, are you familiar with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Would you like to know more? You know, you could, <laughs> I'm sure probably not that, that blame. Um, and, and so, and you'll have to send us some links of some of these masks and, uh, or some of these posts, sorry, some of these posts on social media, if, there are, if they are public, and uh, maybe people can get an idea of it. And Again, I just love the concept of, you know, the getting past the algorithm or, you know, leveraging the algorithm of social media. And, you know, I, again, I, I doubt, you know, the church has done a lot of these hashtag campaigns, right? Like giving thanks. And right now this mm-hmm. recording, we're in the middle of life, the world. Now with the giving thanks one, that was great. It was cool to see what happened. I doubt now I don't, I wouldn't pat, but a past president Nelson, he's a pretty dynamic prophet, but I doubt that he sat up in bed one day and thought I've got to do it hashtag of giving thanks. And this is what we're going to do. Most likely the marketing department put their heads together and said, all right, this works when you do a hashtag campaign. So what can we do? And they mm-hmm. beat around some ideas. And then president Nelson said, I approve, let's do this, record the video, you know? And so for award, especially award mission to come together and say, what, what week campaign or a month long campaign could we do around a hashtag to stimulate some connection in our area, you know, and, uh, and, you know, I can imagine if you're in Mitrakan, you can do a hashtag, uh, you know, loving in Mitrakan or service in Mitrakan or whatever. Right. And so it's very specific <laughs> for your area and a lot of good connection can come from it. So I love that idea. Right. Yeah, we, we have really loved it. And, and we'd love to invite anyone that, that wants to participate or, to look up the hashtag under this mask. That's the English version of it. But yeah, it really has helped us so much. And part of the challenge is challenging other friends to do the same. And so we've seen our youth be able to invite their friends in the area to do that as well. And yeah, and yeah it's, it's been really, really wonderful. And as you were talking, I, I searched that, that hashtag and it's not just a, it's not, you're not the only one to use this hashtag, right? It's a general, it's not a, right. it's yeah. not a religious or Latter-day Saint hashtag. No. And so, which is a good yeah. thing, right? That means other people are going to stumble across it and see a testimony and think, huh, wonder what this is about. And, oh, there's a LDS hashtag or a Church of Jesus Christ hashtag, you know, and 
and they go down the wormhole and find deeper truth. So anyway, sorry, I, I'm a marketing geek. I geek out over this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. The, another point you put here is coordinating with missionaries, but maybe did you already touch on that or anything you'd add to as far as how you coordinate with the local full-time missionaries? We did already touch on it a little bit. Really, the only thing that would be different from what we said before was that coordinating all together with the ward missionaries, the full-time missionaries, everyone involved with missionary work in the ward, and finding the right platform to discuss. Um, For us, it has been using WhatsApp. Everyone in our ward utilizes that app, WhatsApp, and it has a group chat feature where you can share practically everything in that group. and it's been, it's been really helpful for us to be able to be up to date on what the missionaries are doing throughout the week, not just on the coordination meeting day. Um, and for the youth to, and the other ward missionaries to, when an idea sparks in their mind throughout the week, they don't have to wait to share it. They can just share it immediately on there and feel validated from everyone else saying, oh, that's such a great idea. Let's try it throughout the week. And then we can later follow up at the coordination meeting. So everything is a little more in real time and it's been very useful for us and it helps us coordinate with the full-time missionaries a lot easier. We know what they're doing. They know what we're doing throughout the entire week. Yeah. No, WhatsApp is a a great resource. I'm not as familiar with it. I never know why, but it seems like in the U S it hasn't caught on as much as, but if you go to any ward outside, especially in Latin America, they're probably using WhatsApp in some form. Like it's really popular oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, outside the United States, but for some reason it hasn't caught on as much here, but I know people use it and it's a great way to have a simple, you know, like a group chat setting, right? Where people can share and mm-hmm. discuss and in groups electronically. So awesome. Any other apps that you use or technology uh, in your missionary efforts? Definitely mm-hmm. Zoom during the event. <laughs> <Yeah. Okay. laughs> I would say those are the main two, mm-hmm. WhatsApp and Zoom. Um, okay. Now, awesome. the pandemic is so hard where we can't meet in person. Finding that platform that works for everyone, whatever it is in your ward, I think is just essential to having that constant communication, being able to remind each other, keep each other accountable, follow up, know what's going on with the missionaries for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I definitely, uh, I've got one more question for you, but I definitely want to give a shout out to Elena Aburto, who connected us. She's a listener to Leading Saints. And uh, I got an email from her and they and she said, you've got to interview this couple. And so, Elena, don't worry. We did it. We did it. So, uh, and I think she was one of the youth that you were introduced to during your conversion. Is that right, Liliana? Yes. Uh-huh. The Aburto family was in my ward and, and they helped me so much. Yeah. And if you're wondering that if that Alberto name sounds familiar to many Latter-day Saints, yeah, it's that family. So it's cool. It's fun to connect with Elena, and uh, and I'm glad she connected us. So last question I have, and we'll start with you, Danny, and then Liliana, if you want to answer this as well, that'd be great. So but the question is, as you have reflected on your time being a leader, a missionary leader, how has that helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? It has definitely humbled me a lot. It is a very... I don't want to say difficult calling, but it, it provides a lot of challenges, especially now during the pandemic. There's there's always a lot of pressure on the missionaries and the ward mission leader to stay active and to, to, to keep finding new ways. And, and I would not be able to do that by myself. I've learned to trust more in Heavenly Father to provide, to alleviate some of that stress and to help me and kind of take my hand sometimes when I'm having a hard time. 
thinking about something, coming up with something, coming up with what we can do to help certain people that the missionaries are teaching or how we can arrange our schedule to better fit the missionary schedule. I'll need to connect with my wife a lot as well to be able to trust in her and, and hear her wonderful ideas that will help further missionary work in our ward. So it's definitely helped me become a follower in that sense where I can listen more intently to the spirit, listen more to those ideas that come to my mind that sometimes in other situations I might put on the back burner. But now that I have this responsibility, I have to be more attentive to those types of things. Um, I've really felt a stronger connection to Heavenly Father through this service, the good times and the more challenging times. Awesome. Liliana, how has being a word mission leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? Oh, man, I'm a big crier, so I'm going to try not to get too emotional. But I just instantly think of how this calling has just really solidified my testimony that loving people is the best way to be a missionary and that there's no substitute for genuinely loving the people that you serve with and the people that you teach and you're trying to reach. I have really felt so much love for the youth that we've been able to serve with. And that's been able to translate into um, love for the full-time missionaries and the people that they're teaching. And I just, these youth are just so amazing. And because they're filled with this love and I would just invite any leader, no matter what their calling is to to pray for this love Um, because it really just helps so much to be able to trust the people that you serve with, to be able to, care for them. And I know that it makes a difference in their lives too. when they feel that, um, even just this last week, um, we, I was talking with one of the youth, we were preparing an activity and he just paused and he just, he just let me know that he really loves me. And he just thanked us for what we, what we've done to help him with his testimony. And I just thought about, you know, if, no matter what we do, if our youth know that um, we love them, then we're doing our callings right. And I've just really been able to understand God's love better for us. And that that really is the key ingredient to missionary work, love. We hear it all the time, but um, there's, there really just isn't a substitute for it. That concludes my interview with Liliana and Danny Bolaños and appreciate their perspective, their thoughts. We hope that maybe uh, this has led you to some inspiration that you'll try some things, whether it's an idea that they articulated or one that came up yourself, but jump in, try something new and uh, definitely share the gospel as best you can. Now we are looking for other individuals that we can interview on the How I Lead segment. We have a list already, but we would sure love to add to that list. So go to leadingsaints.org contact and uh, tell us who in your area is really hitting a home run in their calling. And it really can be any calling. We would love to hear it uh, because this is how we lead, you know, learning best practices, trying to implement them ourselves and seeing what good comes from it. So please go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and let us know. And I remind you once again to text the word lead to 474747 in order to subscribe to the Leading Saints weekly newsletter. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
And when the declaration was made concerning the only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.